Morning. There's a lot more people that came in here when I first sat down. That's awesome. <laughs> Not that it was just, if there were just a few of you, we would, we would have church, right? Get in the Word of God this morning. What an honor and a privilege it is to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm so happy and thrilled to be here. We got a lot of work to do this morning. I want to jump right into the Word if that's okay. But, but before I do, I really need to be obedient to the Lord. Amen? Amen. I just want to um, share something the Lord gave uh, to me during our time of worship. Just wanna, I, just wanna, I just want you to um, listen, listen to this. And I feel like as we were worshiping and, and as we're, I'm looking around at all this beautiful art and this clean building, it's so nice and um, just a wonderful place to worship. Um, I felt like the Lord said to me um, that, 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 that Restoration Church is is in some ways in a place in this room of what's called good intentions. And, and in this room of good intentions, um, well, it's, 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 it's where oftentimes we find ourselves just in wearing this mask that says, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And we have good intentions, but we put on this mask that just says, well, I'm good. Everything's fine. I'm good. Now, not everyone's wearing this mask, and not all of you are wearing it all the time, um, some more than, often than others, but we're in this room of good intentions, but God, right? But God wants to and is taking you all through this journey, coming out of this room of good intentions, and he's, he's leading you into a place of grace and authenticity, He's moving you into this room called grace. Uh, this room is free of, of any masks, free of, of any guilt and shame and sorrow and baggage that you may be carrying, and it's really just an awesome freedom. And in that, there's this sense of urgency along the way, uh, and I just want to encourage you as the Lord dropped that in my spirit this morning to... Um, Take that for a sense of urgency, but also take that with a sense of intentionality. Like, you got to do something with it, right? And so, um, we're going to dive in this morning, and I, th I, th I think that word really, and maybe that was just the word for the morning. Amen? Amen? But I believe that God does want to speak in and through uh, His word this morning, so I, I believe this will dovetail with what I'm about to share with you. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to Matthew chapter 25. I believe there'll be some scriptures uh, here uh, as we roll along. So I got quite the task this morning because I want to go through the entire chapter of Matthew 25, though we'll just be highlighting some segments along the way. Um, and, and really just um, make some points to introduce, but really just drive home one main point for you today um, as we go through this. So. Um, this past week, I, I came across this quote uh, by Henry Nouwen, and it says this, ministry means the ongoing attempt to put one's own search for God with all the moments of pain and joy, despair and hope at the disposal of those who want to join this search but do not know how. That's a, that's a, that's a good place to say amen. Amen. Listen, ministry means this ongoing attempt to put one's own search for God with all these moments of pain and joy and despair and hope at the disposal of those who want to join this search but do not know how. 
And with that, we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 25. And I, I want to just highlight for you uh, a few brief things with these uh, a couple parables that we see as we start this chapter. And the first parable that we run into is the parable of the ten bridesmaids, right? You had five foolish ones and five wise ones, right? And the wise ones, as we hear the story unfold, as we hear Jesus tell this parable, the wise ones had enough oil. They had enough oil to burn while they, while they waited um, for the groom to come. But the foolish ones didn't have enough. But when he came, they were like, hey, we're going to go and hurry up and buy some, and we'll be right back. But they didn't have enough, nor did they have enough time, because when they came back and they knocked on the door, the door was shut, and they begin to knock, and they begin to even say to Jesus, they said to him, Lord, Lord. And where have we seen that before in throughout the Gospels and different passages of Scripture like Matthew chapter 7. And on that day, they will say to me, Lord, Lord, did, did we not cast out demons? Did we not pray for those? Did we not help, help those? Did we not do things in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Kind of like what he says to them here. And so they knock on the door, but the bridegroom replied, I do not know you. Then he jumps right into this next parable, and it's the parable of the three servants, uh, or, or the, the parable of the talents as, as we know it, right? And so there's this landowner as the story goes, and, and he, this man with a bunch of land, and he comes to his servants, and he, and he, and he gives to his servants his money accordingly, and he, and, he, and he spreads it out across three servants. The first servant, he's given uh, five bags of silver, or five talents, as some translations read. And, and that servant takes, takes the money and it says that he actually does something with it. He invests it, right? And so he invests this, the money and he, he actually doubles his master's money. The master returns and what does he say to him? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in little and more will be given. We see the picture of the second service and he's servant and he's given two talents or, or two bags of silver. And it actually says, and I, I often read out of the New Living, which we are in this morning, but I, I, I like to look at different translations. But the New Living uh, actually says that, that he takes the, the, the two bags of silver and he, and he goes to work. It's interesting how the first servant invests and the second one goes to work. But he goes to work nonetheless, and then, and then he takes that money and he, he actually doubles it as well. He earns two more. So the master's response to him as well as, uh, as well as the first, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in little, and now more will be given. We come to the third servant, right? And he's given the one bag of silver, but what does he do with it? He takes it and he buries it. He takes it and, and, and he, he buries it. And, and he states that, that he knew all along that his master uh, would be harsh and that, that he would be harvesting where he didn't plant and he would be cultivating where he didn't put anything in, but he was going to be uh, coming for something in return. And, and this servant was fearful, and, and, and so he, he buried it, only to, return what, uh, only to give back in return what was originally given to him. And the master's reply was, you wicked and lazy You wicked and lazy servant. Ouch. 
if you knew me to be like this, then why didn't you at least invest the money or gotten some interest in return? Verse 28, and then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they were given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even the little that they have will be taken away. Now throw this useful, useless and lazy servant into that outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing teeth. The Lord reminded me this morning, um, and just in prayer and preparation a little bit this morning, of the passage of scripture that's found in, in Luke chapter six just kind of correlates with this. I didn't have it in my, in my outline to Hannah earlier in the week, but the Lord reminded me of Luke chapter six, um, where he says in that gospel, Luke says, give and it will be given to you. Right? Given it'll be given to you. Like, right? Pressed down, shaken, pressed down, in your lap, poured out, overflowing. What are you giving? What's that? It? What's that it? What is that? What is that it? When you look to meet, uh, not just meet needs, but, but, but to overflow with the love of Jesus in you, to help meet needs in that moment of urgency in that moment of time what what is that it for you like what are you doing with it because he said that if you if you do that if you give it it'll be given back to you in great measure there's a couple key learnings that i want to point out from these two parables as we lead into um, the last parable which was where where we really want to um, hone in on for the morning, but a, a couple key learnings, um, and the Lord just kind of dropped this in my spirit over the last couple weeks, and, 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 and it was actually like two weeks ago, this, this um, kingdom principle of, of waiting and resting, and then there's this other side of the coin of, of, of being active and, and activating our faith, and, and, and there's, so there's, a, there's times and seasons of rest and waiting, and then there's times and seasons in the kingdom of, of, of activity, and when I read this, uh, Holy Spirit said, yeah, that's it. It's right here as well. You see it right here in these parables. The first parable shows us a season of, of waiting and resting. The, 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 bride, the, bridegrooms get, the, the, the bridesmaids get ready and, and, and they're waiting for the groom to come. They're prepared and they're waiting and in their preparation, they're, they're, there's this urgency, but yet they're waiting. They're, they're being prepared, and they're, and they're waiting for the groom to come. And then on the other side of, of, of the coin, in that parable, in the second parable, we, we, see the, um, we see the action. This parable is speaking about a, being a good steward of what we've been given. But both of these parables, as we can see, show the fact that if we're not careful Listen to me, church. If we're not careful with what we've been given, we can squander the opportunity, the resources, the things that God has given us. If we're not careful, we'll squander that. We need to be ready. We need to be ready, like now. Like right now, we need to be ready. There's this 
immediacy and sense of urgency with, with these parables that drives home this point, and that is, be ready. Be ready, church. Jesus then goes on and he, he begins to talk about this other, this other parable that I think really helps explain uh, and, and explains what it looks like for us to, to, to be ready. And, and so, so he calls us to be ready and he, and he does so and, 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 and I, I thought, well, this is kind of funny. You got bridesmaids, you got servants, and then you got sheeps and goats. That's, that's you know, what, <laughs> you got to think about that. You're like, wow, Jesus, you really hit, he hit the whole spectrum when he told stories, didn't he? Every aspect of life, he wanted, he wanted people to get it. And so here we are in, in, this, in this parable, in, and he's about to drive home the point um, about sheep and goats. But those who are ready in this parable, he says, they're, they're like sheep and they're, right at, they're at my right hand. But those who are not ready are, are the goats and they're, and they're on my, my left side here. Let's just read this. Let me just read this uh, section of scripture to you. It says, but when the Son of Man comes in glory and the angels with him, then he, will, they will sit upon, uh, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as shepherds separate sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left hand and then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you are blessed by my father. You will inherit the kingdom because for you, uh, or prepared for you before creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then, of course, they will say to him, but Lord, when did we do those things? When did we do those things? And I'll just kind of paraphrase that, skipping ahead in verse 40. And the king will say to them, I tell you the truth, that when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then, of course, we jump over to, to his left hand where the goats are at, and, 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 and the king says to them, away from me, you who are cursed to eternal fire and prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, you never invited me into your home. I was naked and in need, but you didn't give me any clothing and I was sick and in prison. You didn't come to my side. And they will say, but Lord, when? When did, when did those things happen? And he says, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. I'll go away to eternal punishment, where the right, where, but the righteous will go on to have eternal life. So church, this morning I want to ask the question, what does it look like for us to be ready? What does it look like for us to be on point, to be ready, because there's a sense of urgency with the message this morning, not just for Restoration Church, but for us as a church, as a whole, in this world, it's time to be ready and it's time to quicken ourselves and to wake up. And so if you're taking notes this morning, one, the one key point I want to make to you here this morning is, is this, is this, because this is what it looks like. When you're ready, when you're ready, your love has no reservations, no reservations, no strings attached.
There's no pretense about it. There's nothing about it. When you're, when you're ready, when the love of Jesus is permeated your life in such a way that you cannot help but overflow that love to other people around you, there's no reservations with it. You live it. You eat it. You breathe it. It's with you. It's in you. And we're all on this journey. And, 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 and I could tell you story after story about my life where little by little I, I was growing in the depth of this love. And you are as well. So I I don't want you to hear that if we're not as fanatical as he is, then I, then I guess I'm missing it. No, no, no. Where you're at, right where you're at, moment by moment, day by day, as you're growing. The love of Jesus. How do we love God back? Because as far as I can remember back, as, as far back as I can remember being a Christian, I, I, I've heard the answer unquestionably be, be something like this, well, well, well read your Bible. Pray more. You know, go to church every time the doors are open. Sing worship songs. And can I tell you this morning, church, that that's not the answer that I see Jesus giving in the Gospels? Not the answer. When I look at Jesus, I find he so clearly and repeatedly giving in the Gospels throughout his word. Indeed, while those things can be beautiful, and they are at times, or harmful religious acts on the other side of that. But I've come to conclude that I hear and see through the word of God what Jesus meant when he said, if you love me, church, if you love me, you'll do what I command. And my commandment is this, that you love one another. I don't think there's anything that brings God more pleasure than our worship when we love uh, his children, when we love one another, as well as when we love, can I say this in the, in the same sentence, as well as when we love our enemies, as well as when we love the weak and the excluded and the disenfranchised and the marginalized and the oppressed, the ones inside as well as the ones on the outside, his love for others flowing through us. That's how we love God most and very best. Notice I said flowing through us, right? Notice I said flowing through us because it, it takes um, a, little, a little intentionality um, on our part to be kind and nice to someone. It's not very hard, but it does take intentionality. Maybe to hold the door for someone, maybe to use your manners, Maybe to give it a compliment, a nice compliment to someone, though sometimes that's harder for others than it than some for some than it is for others. But it, but it takes some intentionality, right? To do those little nice things. Be nice to somebody. Let somebody go in front of you. Hold the door. Use your manners. Those things we learned growing up as little kids, right? But can I make can I kind of like point this out to you? And, and that is, Jesus didn't say that. Like, Jesus didn't say these things. They're nice gestures, and we should be kind to one another. We should love one another, and we should do nice things to one another. They're nice gestures, and we should be kind. And, you know, I was reminded in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, you who are evil and wicked, you even know how to give a good gift. When your son 
asks for a piece of bread, who gives them a stone? When he asks for a fish, who gives them a serpent? And then he says, how much greater am I, basically? That he would just give good gifts to those who would ask. See, you see, Jesus takes this thing to an entire new level. He's always getting to our hearts, isn't he? You know what you just love about Jesus? He's always, mm, you know, he's always just getting in there. He's always getting to our, into our hearts. Jesus says, those who are truly mine, they will give food and drink to those in need. They'll show hospitality to strangers. They'll clothe those who are in need. They'll care for the sick, and they'll visit those who are imprisoned. Oh, but Jesus, this just takes on an entire new level of giving and exerting of myself in ways that I'm just really not sure that I can do. I'm just not really sure that I can, I can give that. I mean, can I just hold the door? Can I just use my manners? Can I just be a nice person, Jesus? Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult to do these things? Broken things, broken people, broken relationships, broken ministries. Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult to do? You want my completely honest answer this morning, church? Shake your head yes. I'm going to tell you because it's my job. Here's the completely honest answer. It's because that's messy. It's messy. And most of us don't want that mess. Don't mess with my life. I'm comfortable. I'm good. I'm a nice person. Don't mess with my life. Most of us don't want that mess. Here's some more honesty for you. I'm not going to ask you, I'm just going to give it this time. The real reason you don't want the mess is because you're messy. We're messy. You don't want the mess because you don't think you're messy. But if we'd realize that this level of loving is messy and that we're a mess too, then we become mended and stronger than ever before. In my circles of influence and where I I get to share, I often talk about this idea of what I call reciprocal discipleship. And it's founded on two passages of scripture and and I think it's the I think it's the beautiful picture and message of the gospel that we see in and through the life of Jesus in the early church. And and, and those two scriptures that reciprocal discipleship is founded on is the, the Great Commission where Jesus said, what did he say? He said to go into all the world, right, and make disciples, teaching them everything that I've taught you. Go into all the world and lo, I'm with you always to the ends of this, until the ends of the age, Right? 
Key imperative, make disciples, right? Active verb, go, but imperative, make disciples. And then there's this other passage of scripture in Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29, and we often quote 28 that, that says that, that, that God will work all things out for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And that's a good passage of scripture. And, it, and, and then the, the passage that, the, the verse that follows right after that, it says that we are to be conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. So guess what, church? It's the beautiful design of the gospel. It's reciprocated to us. When, when we go and we live this thing out, when we're active in our faith, in our communities, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and, and wherever God would send us to be, and we live this thing out, you know, you're going to find yourself saying, God, I don't know if I can do that. But that's where, that's where God comes in and answers, says, well, you, you know, son, daughter, you, you can't. But I would through you if you'd let me. But most of us won't get past that place of just being too comfortable to say, God, I'm willing. Show me. Send me. Let me see. Because in doing so, and I'm convinced through my own life and through the scriptures and through other people's lives that as we, as we journey this thing, as we make disciples, as we are living out our faith, I'm convinced I'm convinced that that's the, that's the greatest fast track to growth in Christianity. It's not the Bible study. That's a good thing. It's not the, our prayer, though that's a good thing. It's, bo- it's both and. It's not one or the other. But far, far too often, we've just made it about this thing that we get to check off our list. And God says, I'm calling you to a way of life. I'm calling you to lay down your life as I've laid down mine. It's reciprocated. So as we take these next few minutes to bring things to a close, I've got a couple minutes here on closing, but as we see in Matthew 25, there's a parable and season of waiting and resting, and, 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 and that may mean that you, you, you need to be in the Word more. That, that may mean, may mean that you, you need the fellowship of accountability because I don't want you to hear that. I'm, I'm against that this morning. I want you to hear that those are good things. A sense of urgency, a sense of listening, a sense of waiting and resting in the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you've, you've been trying to do things far too long in your own way and forcing your hand to every little thing. And God is saying, I want you to be still. I just want you to West, rest, I want you to wait. Then there's that other side of, of the coin that's it's a season of action, and both are essential in the kingdom of God. But the common denominator found throughout Matthew 25, and in both of these seasons, is, is there's this healthy anticipation of a sense of urgency for Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come. And in the ministry to the least of these, to those who are in need, we can say, Lord Jesus, come. 
And at the same time, God is answering their prayer. When they prayed, Lord Jesus, come. Here's the clothes. Here's the hospitality I've been waiting for. Here's the food that I've needed. Here's the compassion that I've been praying for. So my question to you this morning, church, is are you ready? Do you display the love of Christ in your life for Jesus unto the least of these? Do you know why Jesus says what he says here in this passage of Scripture, where he says, unto the least of these you've done unto me? Do you know why he says that? It's not a trick, it's not a trick question. He, he says that because that's the life he lived. Homeless. And I, I'm going to go through these scriptures. Homeless, thirsty, imprisoned, stripped, beaten, bruised. Jesus Christ was the least of these. That's why he says, unto the least of these you've done unto me. He can so identify. He walked it, he lived it, ate it, breathed it, and took it on for you and I. Let me read for you. Because I got all five minutes here. Let me read for you. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message to whom the Lord has revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender shoot, like a tender green shoot out of dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deep, the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment of God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have been led astray. We have left God's path to follow our own and the Lord laid upon him the sins of all of us. Now I could go on and read the rest of that but I think you get the point. And I think this is Jesus' way through the scriptures and through a parable to tell us. It's a narrow way. It's the way in which he tells us to come and find life. You know, the old hymns that we used to sing, come and bid, the, bid, the cross bids us to come and die to find that we may truly live. I know this isn't easy, I know it's messy. I know you have all kind of fears and concerns, and I know that we live in a culture that screams to keep it safe, be comfortable, get yours, meet your felt needs. That's what matters most. I know it's hard. All I'm asking you this morning is, 
are you willing? Like, are you, are you really willing to go and see the heart of the Father again through the least of these? Because I believe that in doing so, you'll forever be changed. You cannot go and, and give food and drink to those in need. You cannot go and show hospitality to a stranger. You cannot go and clothe those in need or care for the sick or visit those who are in prison. You cannot go and do those things and not be fundamentally changed. The question is, church, this morning is, will you go? And that going may be just to your neighbor. It may be to us down here to help out. It may be to these other great um, ministries and organizations in Lexington that you can connect with. It may be through you serving right here at Restoration Church. The question is, will you go? It's in the going unto the least of these that we encounter Jesus and in his return, and in return, we are forever changed. Someone once said, and you've probably heard this, I'm not interested in whether you stood with the great. I'm interested in whether you sat with the broken. I think, I think, maybe, just maybe, this is what Jesus was talking about for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word has gone forth this morning, God. Now, Holy Spirit, as you have been from the time we woke up to this very second of this very moment, as these words are being uttered out of my mouth and thoughts formed in my mind and in my heart, God, I pray. Holy Spirit, lead, guide, convict, show, encourage, exhort, probe those areas of our hearts. Father, show us what we've been lacking. Show us our incapacity to even just say, God, I'm willing. God, only you can do that work. But here's the thing, church, this morning. God will fundamentally change you from the inside out, and he has been, and he continues to do so in my life as well as yours. But it's always on our part. It's always on our part to say, God, I'm willing. God can't change the desire inside of your heart until you're willing to lay it down. Until you're willing to say, I'm done. I need you. I need you. I need you. And I'm done with my ways and my life.
Jesus, may you be exalted, glorified and exalted in, in and through our lives. God, throughout this week, give us opportunities where we've squandered to do it again. God, give us fresh and new opportunities to live and to love and to be as you would in this world. And in doing so, God, I know that you'll forever, forever wreck us, forever change us. We'd be ready. We'd be ready. to a time of of response to the word we've just heard. I just want to let you know that we respond in several different ways here at Restoration. And so we always have music playing and singing a song as part of this time. And some of us respond by singing the words of these songs, but not everyone does, right? And God is doing something different and unique in each of our hearts individually at this very moment. And so we believe here that this is a very tender moment. It's a time to be very attentive to the Holy Spirit. And so that looks different for each of us. So we offer a lot of different ways to respond. One of those ways is singing. You can stand or sit. One of those ways is just praying. Maybe you need to just sit and just have some time with God, a conversation, or maybe journal or or write a prayer. One of the ways we offer response is with prayer teams in the back. So maybe there's someone in this room that you feel you need to pray with. Or if you'd like prayer for anything at all, there's a prayer team in the back that's willing to pray with you during this time of response. But one of the main ways that we do offer to everyone in hopes that we would all do this kind of together as as part of our time of worship is a time of communion. And if you've been here before, you know this is something we do every single week because we believe that taking communion together is more than just going through the motions. And the way that we take communion here is we have communion teams on both sides of the room. And so you just can come up as you're ready and you take a piece of the bread and then you dip it into the cup. And the person standing in front of you is looking at you in the eyes and saying that this is the body and blood of Christ given for you. And we believe that that is such a special time because just like Todd was saying, Jesus was the least of these.